Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and I'm excited. I don't know. I'm a little hyped today. I don't know why. Like, sometimes you wake up in the morning, and you just, you like, you're, you're, you're in it, and sometimes you're not in it. Uh, this morning, I'm a little excited, so I'm going to try to contain myself um, during today's message. But let me start off with this. I'm going to ask for permission, even though I'm going to do it either way. So can I talk about a topic uh, that most in this room won't like? So whether you say yeah or no, I'm still going to do it. But I just, I like, you know, to say, okay, thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Um, I will do it anyway. Um, I just want to say, um, I am not one of the people going, why aren't you, you know, why do you dislike this topic? Because I'm not the one that's like, oh yeah, I've nailed this topic. I'm perfect in it. So I don't like it either. Um, but I've learned that just because you don't like something or it's not comfortable, like serving in kids ministry, doesn't mean um, that it isn't a great opportunity. It's not something that we don't need or we don't need to talk about. So my topic this morning um, is waiting. Waiting. Uh, you can couch it in another word, patience. So how many patient people, and hear this, by practice and lifestyle do we have in the room? Don't raise your hand. Um, okay, sorry. Usually I preface those. Man, okay, she's figured it out. She'll let us all know at the end of service. Um, um, the problem with raising your hand is people around you will look at you and go, really? Yesterday, I was behind you in the kid pickup line. I was behind you in traffic. You didn't look very patient when you zoomed around me. Um, <laughs> side note, we do have stickers for the back of your car, but if you're a bad driver, don't put one on there. Um, just, you know, just saying. Um, <clears throat> so, um, what do we do with this? So some of us, I I think everybody in the room would say, I want to be more patient. I want to learn the art of waiting. See, waiting is not an art that I have practiced. If you've seen me on the road, you'll know that. If you've seen me in other areas, I'm kind of an impatient, like now, let's do it, person. I'm working on it. But see, I'm talking about it today, so I'm acknowledging the fact that I also need some of this today. So I hope to convince you... um, That seeing Jesus, which will come into context a little bit later, is worth the wait. Today we'll be in Luke 2 in a section of scripture that, to my knowledge, I have never preached on these verses. um, And I've been um, basically preaching for 21 years. So it never, um, we're going to be in Luke um, chapter 2, verse 21, I think through 30. Eight or 39. So that's where we're going to be. You can open up there. But I, to my knowledge, I have all of my stuff um, on my computer. So I usually search the text that I'm going to be preaching on just to make sure it's not something that I have ran over recently. Ran over is an awkward phrase, but it's what came out of my mouth. Um, and this one I have never. I've, I've, I've used Luke 2 in other things, the beginning of Luke 2, but I've never talked about this section, which is going to be awesome. So in three weeks, um, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and it's a big deal. Uh, if there is no resurrection, there, there, is no, there is no reason for us to be here. 
You know, th- this isn't serving um, a um, good teacher that gave us moral things that we should do to the best of our abilities. This is our Lord and Savior that came and spoke the word of God to us and called us into his kingdom, invited us into his life, died for us to pay the penalty for us, and then proved who he was by coming out of the grave. And we're going to be celebrating that in three weeks. So what better place... Three weeks from now, what better place to start than this morning talking about the beginning, which is Jesus coming as a child. So let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, uh, I want more of you uh, and less of me right now. Uh, Lord, I I want your spirit to speak um, to places in us that we're discouraged Places in us where we're tired and weary. Places in us where we haven't seen and we're very discouraged. So Lord, speak to our heart. Let the example of your word today not just be good for our ears, but let it be good for our heart. So Lord, speak um, to us individually uh, so that we may endure, so that we may continue to wait patiently for what you are doing in us, through us, and around us. So open our eyes, soften our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So right before Luke 2, you have, or right before the section that we're going to talk about today, you see the story of the Messiah, which is crazy. I know, you know, if you've been in the South and you've been around church for a while, it's like, it's kind of like a no big deal story because you've heard it so many times. Like, of course, no, you know, God appeared to a young, probably 14 year old girl and said, you're going to carry the savior of the world. <clears throat> and she, which I love, probably one of my favorite lines in the Bible, she said, all, let, let it be so all that you have said. To me, like I, I'm your, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be so. And so she's carrying the Messiah. And you, you get all of this because she was betrothed. She was not married yet. She should not be with child. Her, her future husband finds out that she's gonna, be, she's having a child. It is he knows not his, um, and he plans to divorce her. He plans to just like leave this girl. Like I'm gonna get out of this situation. It is, it is crazy. God speaks to him in a dream, and he stays and becomes the father and there's all of these things that are going on leading up to the birth of christ because the community is aware that jesus well not they don't know his name but mary's child that she's carrying isn't joseph's I mean, they, they talk they talk about this they there it is it is not like this secret thing that they're hiding like the community is aware of what's going on and they travel um, to bethlehem to for, for Christ, the, Jesus to be born, and there's no place, and I said this, uh, I think, uh, when we talked about this um, in December, you know, he comes to his hometown where his people are from, and there is no place for him to stay, which you can, you can speculate to that, but they, they stay in a manger, which is most likely not a wooden structure, but most likely a hole in the wall, a cave of some sort, and the, the future and the hope of the world is born in a humble, poor trough. The power 
of the Lord, the power of the universe. Like he speaks these things into existence, comes to us in a little baby. And so the shepherds visit, which we've talked about that uh, to length here. The shepherds, you know, everything God did, you wouldn't do. If you were going to validate this, you would you would not do all the things that you do. You wouldn't send the shepherds. The shepherds were unclean people. They weren't the people that you wanted to know the message and proclaim the message. But they were the ones that God appeared to and they came and witnessed. And then so we're going to pick up this eight days later from this moment in verse 21. It says at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This was important. Jesus is going to do, is going to step into everything that was promised of the Messiah. But he was going to fulfill all the things necessary. So it was necessary for um, a Jewish child, male, to be circumcised on the eighth day. And on the eighth day is when they would get their name. It Happens just like that. And we'll see a little bit more of that going in in verse 22. So in verse 22, it says, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So eight days circumcised. At usually about 40 days, the mom and the child would go to the temple to present themselves. And it says, for their time of purification. So it would take 40 days for the mom to be ritually clean, Levitically clean, to go to the temple to present the child to um, the priest to pay for um, the redemption of him. So this was something that was laid in the foundation in Leviticus as they were coming out of Exodus, talked about in Leviticus, as they were coming out of Egypt, God in the last of... Um, his sign, the people of God sacrifice a lamb and on the lentils of the doors, they put the blood and the, the spirit of the Lord passed over them. So they redeemed the child. And so one of the things to remember this event that they did leading up to Jesus is they would have you go the firstborn male that you would have. You would go redeem them. There's a whole lot to this. There's a whole there's so many. They would actually literally before um uh, uh, the, the majority of people kind of failed. It was like, basically, you would give your firstborn child um, to the church. And then there was a massive failure. Then it was just a little bit Levitical lineage that would give their child. But every el- everybody else would have to go redeem their child. So they would go and pay and sacrifice to um, redeem the child, which is such great imagery of what Jesus was going to do for us. In verse 23, it says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this was actually a, a clear indication of how poor the family of Jesus was. Because what people that could afford it would do was they would have uh, a lamb that would be sacrificed in this. But if, if you didn't, they had a system of like if you didn't have enough money, then you could do these. This would be a clear indication that Jesus was not born into money. He was born into poverty. But they were going to do what was required. 
of bringing and redeeming Jesus. Verse 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So they were waiting, and literally what he's talking about, they were waiting for the Christ, the Messiah, that, that comfort would come. If you, if you know of the culture of first First century Judaism, they were occupied by a foreign entity that didn't serve their God. They didn't like, they weren't there. They were waiting for comfort to come through the Messiah. They, they had been waiting and, and no word from the Lord had been uttered for 400 to 500 years. It had been a season of quiet. Talking about waiting, four to five hundred years. But there was a whole Old Testament was littered with the promise of the Messiah. And those were waiting like Simeon. So he had been waiting his whole life to see this promise. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before He had seen the Lord's Christ. So faithfully serving God without seeing God do what he had promised to do. He was faithfully doing. And then I don't think early on, I would say later in his life, he gets this promise that you will not see death before you see this moment happen. And the Holy Spirit brought him that day to the temple. Let him there. And I don't know how many, like, I don't know how long it was that God said, hey, this is going to happen. And let me just tell you, give you a little history. God has the pattern of telling his people something and there'll be a long period of time for there's a fulfillment. You know, he tells, he told the people of Israel that they would be enslaved for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. It happened later. He told Abraham that you would be the father of, you know, of the people of God 25 years. So all of those would be like, I'm tired of waiting. Why has the Lord not done? I just want to tell you, this is the pattern of God. Joseph, he gets a vision of what God's going to do in and through his life. He sees his family bowing down to him. And it was 17 years before that moment happened. And it's repeated over and over and over and over again. But it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit reveals it to him that he will not die before this happens. In verse 27, it says, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So he's there. The day has finally come. The Holy Spirit has brought him into the temple. And this little baby comes in, held by Mary. See, God wasn't going to let him miss out on this moment. Let me, let me just tell you this. I think sometimes uh, we have this irrational fear that if, if God wants to do something in of us, in us, um, we've got to be very careful that we don't miss it. And I, hear me when I say this. Those that faithfully serving, following God, he isn't going to let you miss it. He wasn't going to let him miss it. Like maybe he got sick that day. You know, I think sometimes we're like, you know, if we look the wrong way, we'll miss this opportunity for all those that aren't married uh, in the room, hoping to be married one day. You know, there's this kind of irrational fear. We're like, where's the one? What if I miss him? Look, let me let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. Love Jesus. Serve him. 
pursue him and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I don't say that to say he's going to give you everything you want. I think sometimes we hear desires. Well, (laughs) some of your desires that you have in your heart, God will not give you because they are not good. But he, as we pursue him, he changes who we are, what we're doing. So we're not going to miss out on this moment. Simeon faithfully here and God leads him to this moment. See, according to the custom of the law, God could not rescue his people without fulfilling all that was expected of the Messiah. Like, and you see this all throughout Matthew. You see these, uh, and this was, Luke was written by a Gentile. So it, we're, we're opening up this, but they're going to make sure, Matthew's the biggest one because Matthew was writing to Jews. He wanted them to know that Jesus met all the requirements that were necessary. You'll see this, as it was written, as it was written. In verse 28. It says he looked, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. See, think about this for a moment. He'd been waiting his entire life for this moment. And the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this is the child. And he's holding this child in his arms. Imagine the humility. I mean, like this was a baby. Both the people that we're talking about today would never see the fulfillment of the promise that they held in their hands, that they praised God for. They didn't see, most likely, because of their age, didn't see the beginning of his ministry, which was 30 years later. They didn't see the death, burial, and resurrection three years after that. But he's holding this child, something he's waited for, and there's so much hope resting in this moment. He was ready. He was ready for this. And all of his hope were poured into this one thing. And let me just tell you, and this is what I'm getting at today. All of what he put in before this moment, it was worth it for this one moment. Every day of his service, every day of his dedication, every day of his devotion, everything that he said no to, to say yes to Jesus... Everything that he said, this is a lesser thing, I I want this. Everything made it worth it in this moment. And then he he, he speaks a a prophetic word over the Lord in verse 29. It says, um, he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation." That you have prepared in the presence of the people a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Woo! Come on now. And for the glory of the people of Israel. Verse 33. And the father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed For the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. (laughs) Jesus haven't even, he hasn't even done anything. Nothing. And Simeon is letting Mary know 
that not only is her heart going to be pierced, and Mary, of course, there seeing her son being crucified. I can't imagine uh, knowing what you know, knowing all of these things leading up to this. And, and from this moment, Simeon is saying, hey, look, it, he's going to divide, which if you read the Gospels, um, Jesus divided Israel. Because there were those that were like, yes, this is the promised Messiah. But there was a lot that were like, no. There were those, which we'll talk about in the coming days, that literally cried out for his crucifixion. When Pilate didn't want to take the blame for this, they were like, put it on us and our children. Like they were ready to see Jesus be laid down so that their religious system would not be messed with. That their positions of power would not be taken. Verse 36. So he he hands uh, back the baby to Mary. And then we meet our second person. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, um, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin And then, as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Okay, some commentaries that I read on this, um, there's there's not this clear. So she's either 84 or she's 106. So some commentaries say that the way it's written, it could have been that she spent 84 years after this time of being married and after becoming a widow so she, she could be 84 at this time or 106. Either way, she has spent decades dedicating her life to the Lord, being at the temple night and day, praying, fasting, preparing. See, Anna was among only a handful of women in the Bible bearing the title prophetess. You have Miriam, sister of Moses. You have Deborah, the judge. You have um, have Isaiah's wife, you have the um, Philip's four unmarried daughter. This is not uncommon, but this was kind of a rarity. But she had been there dedicating her life to the Lord. Verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. See, she wasn't doing these things, and I think this is what we have to be careful for or be cautious of. We're a people that love the praise of man. We're a people that want to be thought well of, and sometimes we will do things for that very reason. This is what Jesus had over and over. His conflict with the religious rulers of the day is that they were about the the view of others. They say prayers out loud so they'd be praised. They wanted the seat of honor. They would wear garments so they would be noticed. I'm making speculation here, but I would say Anna wasn't noticed by probably anybody. There weren't people there going, man, um, look how great, you know, Anna's, she's doing her thing. She's not in there for the praise of man. She is not in there for anything other than her devotion for God. 
See, the beginning of this section with Jesus as the firstborn being redeemed to become the last and final sacrificial lamb. First Peter um, chapter one, verse 18, it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile well ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, which is what they were doing with Jesus. They were it was five. Well, they probably paid less than that. But the, I think the, it was five, five silver coins that you would pay for the redemption. Not bought with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. See, all of these were all of these things in the Old Testament were poor, pointing to Jesus. They were declaring they were preparing for this sacrificial lamb. And understand again, this was still a baby in this moment. You know, we're, we're going to jump forward in his story. We don't really know a whole lot other than his encounter uh, as a 12-year-old, which is hilarious. Like, how would you like to be praying for repentance to God for losing his child? Because I'm sure Mary did. She got a day. I don't know about you. Did any, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Any parent in the room, like, forget about your child for like a day? Like, so they're just traveling back home. And I mean, it was a large group. And I'm sure she was like... Okay, someone's got Jesus, you know. And then a day, she's like, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? No, he's not with you. He's not with you. Like, oh, we got to go back. And you find him three days later. They're like, Lord, I have lost your child. You gave me one job, and I have failed at it. Help me. But we don't know a whole lot about his early life. But we do know that these two people spent their life waiting for this moment. And so what I want to talk about and kind of land on and encourage is that waiting is worth it if what you're waiting for is worth it. And see, as a Christian... Uh, as a child of God, as a follower of God, waiting is not an option because we're not in his kingdom, meaning it's not fulfilled yet, meaning he hasn't returned yet, meaning he hasn't set things right. So we live in the already, but not yet. We live in this place that we're wanting his fulfillment, but we're waiting for lots of things to be accomplished here in our own lives. Maybe it's in you. Maybe you're waiting for a healing and restoration and redemption in your own life. Maybe you're waiting for that of a child or a family member. Maybe you're waiting for um, all of the things. I mean, you, you turn on the TV nowadays and you see the destruction of what's going on in our culture. We see how divided everything is. Waiting is part of the process. And so what will we do? Will we wait well? And that's kind of the question. This is this is what I want you to to. Yeah, um, this is what I want you to understand that if you're going to follow Jesus, if you if today you're like, I'm a child of God, you will be waiting for something. The question is, how will you wait? Because there's lots of us in this room that haven't waited like Simeon and Anna. You know, we just get distracted. I am one of those. That it's like, yes, I'm ready, but then tomorrow I'm distracted. <laughs> oh, there's a new TV show that just came on. 
or there's some other thing that draws us away. See, their their focus and their identity was based on who they were in Christ and what he was going to do in the future. And so learning to wait and having something worth the wait is where we need to land. So I'm going to read a section, uh, actually eight verses out of Psalm 62 that talks about waiting. And then I've got some questions for you. And then we're going to uh, bring our worship team back up in just a second and, and land this plane. So Psalm 62, starting in verse 1. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their words, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. And he alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Oh God, rest my Oh God, rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. I think sometimes we'll read um, the first two verses or three verses and be like, yes, the God is my rock and he is my salvation and I'm going to wait on him. And I love that in the middle of that you have life. You have people coming against you. You have things that aren't going well. And I love that he closes it out saying the same thing again. And this is something that we're going to have to work on every day because waiting will not come easy. You may leave this room going, yes, I'm going to wait well. I'm going to see God and it's going to be amazing. And then tomorrow happens and there's some opposition to that. And I'm sure there was opposition to Simeon and Anna. Like, I'm sure there's people whispering in Anna's ear early on. Don't you want to do something better with your life? Don't you have some other purpose? Don't you want to get remarried? Don't you want to do this? I'm sure Simeon the same, like, as he's saying, hey, the Lord told me that I'm going to see the Christ. I'm sure people are like, really? Like, is that is that really what's going to happen? Because I haven't seen God do anything in 400 years, like, in your lifetime. So the question is, how will you wait? See, the, for, for the children of God in this room, I'll say this again, waiting is not an option. The question this morning is, is he worth the wait? Is whatever you want to see God do in your life, is it worth waiting well for? Think about your children. Think about people. Think about kingdom things that you want to see come to pass. Is it worth waiting well for those things. I mean, think about moms in the room that have carried children. Like there's all, all these waiting. And, and the Bible actually says that the moment, you know, they're holding the baby in their arm. I have not experienced this, so like I'm taking this off what the word says. Um, all of that other stuff that they went through for that moment is forgotten. 
because they have the, the product of all the pain and all the suffering and all the discomfort there. The work of God in your life and in those that you're praying for is worth waiting, is worth carrying the burden. It is worth the process that it takes. So if he is worth the wait, what is he asking you to do while you wait? Like what, what, is, what is the father saying to you? Because sometimes we're like, we want to see this. We're going to see this happen. You see Simeon, you see Anna faithfully serving the Lord. I could shamelessly say maybe that's serving in kids ministry, but, you know, like I won't put that guilt on you. <laughs> Just kidding. But if you do want to serve, we'd love to have you. Um, but like what, what do we do? How do we get in this place of knowing every day, waking up tomorrow morning, saying whatever I'm going to go through, it's worth it? Like as a, a pastor of a church, I've been in ministry um, my kids' entire life. My oldest is turning 21 in May, which is crazy. Um, I, don't, I don't know where the time has gone. My oldest is turning 21. I have a 19-year-old and a 13-year-old. And, and, and one of my biggest fears as a pastor, because you, you see the story, the testimony, is like kids just being like, I hate church and I don't want anything to do with God. And, and one of my biggest fears of doing this and letting this be kind of my life's focus is that my children will hate the church because of me. And one of my prayers, which I've shared this several times on Sunday morning, one of my prayers is that I would get to see in my life, like you preserve their life until I get to see yes. For my children, I want, I want my kids to love Jesus. I want my kids to serve Jesus. I want my kids to know God. And I, I will patiently wait until the day, and I believe, I, I'm going to believe like Simeon, that I will see those moments. And we've gotten to see several of them already. And I'm excited to see um, what God does in and through the rest of my children. But there's so many things, even in my extended family, that I want to see God do, that I wait patiently for. But I want to remind you, as I remind me, that how we wait matters. See, waiting isn't sitting quietly in the corner. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, like I'm going to sit in the corner and, you know, God's going to do all these things and I'm just going to wait patiently. See, both Simeon and Anna were actively waiting with a kingdom focus, a heart given to living under the influence of the Holy Spirit and of prayer. So what are you waiting for? The redemption of who? I want, to, I want to challenge you. Like, who, who are you praying for? Like, who is burdening your heart that you want to see the gospel move in? I think we need to be like Simeon and Anna in, in every day. Because they were waiting. They were waiting for, the, for them to see the fulfillment of what God had promised and I believe that there's people in this room that God's calling us to this place of waiting well and beginning to war with God through prayer for those that we love. Because there, there is nothing greater, there will be nothing greater than on the other side of the eternity to see our loved ones resting, living in the grace of God in His kingdom. Nothing 
Everything else in this life will be thrown away. All the things that we fight for, that we long for, other than the souls of man and women, there's nothing that lasts for eternity. And we need to have a focus that's going, God, we're going to wait well, which means we're going to, we're going to have kingdom eyes about what you're doing. And I believe that God's planted you in this city for a purpose. I think he's put you in the neighborhood that you're in for a purpose. I think he's put you in the job that you're in for a purpose. And I want you to wait well while you're there. Because it's not going to be easy. Some of you are like, well, if God had purpose in it, why would he bring this whatever, fill in the blank, this neighbor or this boss or whatever? I believe God's put you there for a reason. And some of that reason is getting to the place of going, God, I'm going to trust you today because you have something in this place that you want to do through me. I'm going to invite our worship team uh, back up. One of the things that we do here on Sunday uh, is we worship at the end. One full song. Sometimes it's like, oh, man, they just want to keep me here for a few more minutes. And that is not my intention. My intention is right now there's probably things that are swirling around in your soul, in your head, in your mind that you need to probably solidify. And so I believe the best moment for that to happen is right now, right now, right now, at this moment, before you walk out these doors. Because life, whether you know it or not, when you walk out these doors, is going to hit you. And then one other thing, and I believe God wants to start something in motion right now. And I don't know what that is, but I know um, that God's calling people to wait well. God's calling people to refocus their effort and energy on him. Because as we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to us as our effort and our energy is directed there. Let's pray. Father, have grace on us, the impatient ones, that love to run ahead, that love to go further and faster than you desire. And I pray that this week that you would begin to let us live in this place of humility, this place of grace, understanding that you have things that you want us to do and you want us to wait well. Lord, awaken us a longing for your word. There are truths that we need to know about you and understand that don't just happen because we want them to happen. They happen because we study your word. Or these two people that we're talking about today, they had dedicated their lives to you. In this one moment, in this one day, seeing the Christ as a baby, every bit of their waiting was worth it. Lord, I pray that you would give us something so great and so grand that we would do anything to see that happen, whether it be the redemption of one of our children, of a redemption of, some, redemption of someone that we love. Maybe it's to see revival hit our nation. Lord, I pray that we would be people willing to put ourselves out there and say, God, I'm going to wait well. I'm going to wait 
in, a, in, a, uh, in an active position, praying, seeking you, knowing you, sharing your word, preaching the gospel, living the gospel. Lord, give us kingdom vision that gives us a reason to wait well. And Lord, I pray for all those that are discouraged because they have been waiting a long time. Lord, I pray that you would you would give them the same comfort and the same assurance that you spoke into Abraham over and over again. Wait for me. Lord, help us not to be a people that by our own effort, by our own energy, try to do the thing that only you can do. So we wait for you. And so, Lord, for those in this room that potentially, you know, their life is is proven them to them that you're not worthy of trusting. You're not worthy of waiting. Lord, I pray that you would shake those lies away. That you would reveal the truth. That we would see your faithfulness of how long-suffering and how patient you are. Lord, I pray that you would just... That you would give us energy to fulfill all the things that you've called us to. And we wait patiently see the fulfillment of it. Thank you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.